De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host, Doug Bell. And today, we'll be talking about account targeting strategies that focus on the accounts that are most likely to result in sales. Joining us is Jamie Shanks, who is the CEO of Pipeline Signals, which helps businesses scale their pipeline through signal intelligence by addressing the most common yet unanswered challenges that most sellers have. So for this week, Jamie and I have talked about targeting accounts more likely to close. And today, we're going to wrap up our conversation by talking about relationship signals that complement buying intent. Okay, here's my conversation with Jamie Shanks, the CEO of Pipeline Signals. Jamie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me again. Well, I have to say, I feel like we need to do some defining for folks, because you and I yesterday had a great conversation and we sort of threw around some terminology. It was really kind of in the need of a great conversation. So I don't want to back into that at that point. I want to do that now for folks. So I want to start out with what is a relationship signal? What's your definition of a relationship signal? A relationship signal means that there is a tie between your customer base and a type of account that you would want to deal with at some point in the future. So basically, somebody leaves one of your happy customer base, we call them now a fan, and they can go into either another customer, they can go into a named prospect, an open opportunity or an account that you've been tracking, or they can go into what's called the greenfield account that you had no idea existed, they're not in your database, and it would be net new to you. Okay. Makes sense. What's a fan? A fan. I'm going to call you on this because yesterday we talked about subjective versus objective. So every time something's subjective, it's my job to call. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead, Jamie. No, a fan can be seen two ways from an organization. A fan is either the actual power user, uh, decision maker, champion, influencer, power user that was tied to a project, whether you sell a service or a product who used your solution. It touched them. It touched their department. Or on a looser term, if you back out a little bit further, many of our customers also track people leaving the ideal customer profile or departments or job functions of accounts that would have been affected or influenced or had attribution towards using those solutions, and then they leave. So, of course, then in an order of operations, there's the super fan like the person who actually used my solution day-to-day at Yeti Water Bottle, now over at Igloo Cooler, perfect opportunity. When I call, I almost don't even need to explain what we do. But then they also, when we were working with that team, we were selling into supply chain. Well, 
as part of the supply chain, they have these adjacent departments who would have been influenced by us. Somebody from that department, that ideal customer profile, moves to a prospect. And when I call, I might need to remind them that when they were at Yeti, they were being powered by our solution. So you get kind of like power usage, like a radar, a superpower user all the way to an affinity to knowing who this organization might be. Okay, that makes a ton of sense. And I feel like if we were looking at this from a Venn diagram standpoint, we would say that really, in many ways, relationship signals fit within this larger idea of buying intent or overlap pretty heavily with buying intent. And within that section, right, within that hopefully very, very big piece of the Venn diagram, we have a lot of accounts we can go after, a lot of folks we can sell to. The one thing that always troubles me about this idea, though, is that buying intent as sophisticated as the data is and as the algorithms that are out there, it's also very subjective. Again, we had this conversation yesterday, objective versus subjective. Buying intent data, to me, feels like some of the more subjective, objective data that's out there, potentially. So I feel like a piece of what we really want to talk about today is how relationship signals help you better understand buying intent. Is that a decent way to look at it? Or are they, are they happily married, producing amazing results without any help? So here's the way that I see the world. Okay, so you have the classic buying intent software. And you said something really interesting. There's kind of two parts to it. The objective side of the software is John Smith is on our website. John Smith downloaded ebook. John Smith Googled a keyword. So the data is showing that these events are happening. The subjective side of these software programs that I think that marketing is over-indexing on, giving that information over to sales, and then frustrating sales is they're basically saying, oh, wow, this is the ultimate sales qualified lead or marketing qualified lead. That's where the software creates a score. And that's the subjectivity. Now, they're going to tell you it's rooted in science, it's rooted in data, but ultimately they're handing that over to sales saying, you must call them because this is the ultimate super lead. The reality is it is a piece to a puzzle. So the objective side, just to kind of rehash, the data is how things are happening. People are touching your website. The subjective side is how good is this lead? Because it's one person amongst a, the buying committee of an organization that checked out your website. So what a relationship signal is telling you is human capital migration at scale. Who's going into a company? Who's being promoted? Who's leaving? It in itself has forms of objectivity and subjectivity. The objective side is, Job change actually happened. The subjective side, and listen, I'm a seller. Sometimes I'll be guilty of it. I'll say, my God, CFO moved from company A to company B. This is a great lead. Well, then you could triangulate yourself to say, well, does the CFO know us? Do they know anyone in our organization? Were they loosely affiliated to using our solution? That's why we're all pieces to a puzzle. And so the objective data from all these points are happening. And then the seller takes in and ingests that information to say, based on all of that, what should I do with it? That's where I think the industry needs to better to better serve the customers to help them explain these events are happening. We know these events do correlate towards great sales opportunities, but it's up to you to figure out what is your perfect mixture. Okay. Makes sense. Take me back to the TAM map right? Take me back to drive, park, reverse, neutral. 
and how these complementary sets of data, and again, we understand the data is as good as the people using the data and their ability to kind of operate within a good framework. So we talked about that great framework yesterday. Help us understand how to use this data to start moving people between, say, reverse and park and drive. How do you recommend people thinking about and using this data? I'll make it real for organizations, two of our customers. I'll use Snowflake and Lionbridge as real-life examples. So Snowflake, as an example, monitoring every engineer in North America and Latin America through our relationship signals. Now, the objective side, events are happening, but there are a multitude of different events. Some are customers on the move going to prospects, and they are a very specific engineer who use their solution going into a very specific use case. That might get a higher alert or more surfaced into let's focus on that than let's say another job change where they did not come from a Snowflake customer, but it's a new engineer taking a job somewhere in North America. Then they also triangulate that against in the same dashboard in Salesforce. Let's also see in that same account, if there were people landing on our website, Googling keywords, downloading eBooks, they then prioritize, and the same is happening at Lionbridge, they then prioritize accounts with a multitude of signals. There is people looking at the website, downloading eBooks, and there were two new executives, and one of them came from our customer. And we can even see the notes in Salesforce from when they were a previous customer. That is a real reason to move that to drive. Doesn't mean you have moved it to drive. Doesn't mean the conversation, it's, a, it's an organization that is guaranteed to move forward. But the probability that you'll be able to move it to drive, I would take that and it might sit in neutral today. And once I can start those conversations, I would move it into drive and it would sit there during the average sales cycle velocity that your organization. I've done this map for my own business. At pipeline signals, it turns out from sales qualified lead to close is 38 days average. Subjectively, it doesn't feel like that. I even said that to my business partner when we did the analysis, it felt like it was a 90 day sales cycle. It's not, it's 38 days. And so either companies find this as a priority and they move forward with it quickly, or if it sits in the CRM longer than 90 days, it has to go back to neutral or back to reverse. And, or if they've been completely ghosting me, maybe it sits in park eventually, but that's, you're kind of taking that data and you're moving it based on these events happening. And then it has to happen within the natural sales cycle velocity that you have. As mentioned, mine is 38 days. Okay, 38 days, by the way, is outstanding, folks. If you don't have your data in front of you, that's incredibly rapid. And given that that's in the crucible, that's also really key, the faster, the better, quite often. And I'm curious, what about this usage for organizations that are focused on more of the uh, NRR metric, if you will, or upsell? Are these good tools to use for account teams to make sure that they're in a place where they're actually able to upsell more quickly? Or do you feel like you guys are much more focused on some of the more kind of challenged parts of organizations' businesses, primarily around growth? generating a new pipeline, selling, closing that pipeline. When I started the business, I thought that the data set, the sales intelligence would serve both the pre-sales and post-sales world. It would sell, I would sell it to demand gen and I would sell it to customer success. Why? Because I can also track everyone inside a customer who gets hired, gets promoted or leaves. Ironically, that's not where the market has seen it yet. They've seen it as 
top of the funnel, demand gen, opportunity for opening up new doors, whether that's a greenfield door, like white space that you don't already have, or it might mean open opportunities that you're currently working. But I believe longer term, there is an incredible use case in customer success because what if your advocate or fan or champion just walked out the door? And at scale across a thousand accounts, really are your CSMs keeping up with all those changes? So they're emailing into black holes of people that don't exist there anymore, or they just hired somebody. And when they hired them, where did that company, where that person come from? Did they come from a direct competitor of yours? Did they come from a company that was using a direct competitor of yours? So people are the ones that make decisions in business. And so when people go into a company, they bring with them priorities and biases. And so wouldn't you want to know like who just got hired and who left and where they're going? So anyways, long and the short is I think there's a great use case there. It just, the market hasn't bid on that as fast as I thought they would. Yeah, I feel like I hear that theme a lot. I think that a lot of organizations are due for a changeover to say the flywheel, which sort of recognizes that at the end of the day, you're not selling and leaving. You're actually repeatedly providing business to a certain set of customers and our numbers tend to be stronger with the flywheel. And it doesn't surprise me at all, frankly, at the end of the day, I feel like the part of the business that's under the most stress is the part of the business that you're constantly trying to address. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got to call out one final thing here because this is driving me nuts, but the product usage piece of companies' abilities to thrive and to succeed on the front end, if you will. Some quick tips for folks listening in right now, how they can do a better job of utilizing product usage data. You talked a bit about just sort of the no-brainer using product usage data of your own product. And you actually talked about a, a couple of companies that help provide that. Some quick tips for folks that are going, product usage data, where can we take that? Yeah, I, as mentioned, number one, I would look internally. Of course, there's power usage data that you probably have that you haven't recognized that give you a sense of how people use it more or less the right way or wrong way. And I've always really liked this tool built with. The challenge is built with is kind of enterprise grade, but it's if you have the type of platform that you want to know, I sell to people who use certain software. Well, a lot of software touches companies' websites. So it's then telling you what tools are on every company's website. So I would start there. But I think that this entire category of product usage will scale. I'm not going to be the one that tackles it, but somebody will. Well, I feel like you and other organizations doing such a great job getting us to the point that we understand how our buyers are operating within companies, how they feel about us, how they're managing transitions, whether or not they increase the health of an account that they go to. I feel like that's incredibly well covered. And I do feel like we've created these unfortunate silos. We have sales and product-led growth. At the end of the day, bringing them together is going to be really important. But I have to say, brilliant talking to you today, Jamie. Really learned a ton. And I hope the sales leaders out there are listening in, understanding how to better account plan and better tune into the data that's out there for them. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Jamie Shanks, CEO at Pipeline Signals, for joining us. If you'd like to contact Jamie or learn more about him, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Jamie Shanks, or visit his company website at PipelineSignals.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where you have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, to the degree it exists, Facebook, Instagram, 
or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. 